Another good week of games delivered for us, three specifically, had big implications. We'll go through an updated who's alive and who controls their own destiny list. And we'll also be debunking some lies and also be talking about what it would actually take to get two SEC teams in the playoff or two teams from any conference. Let's get into it. Hey, it was BYOG, bring your own guts. Fourth and five, the national championship on the line. Got the big man. I think Notre Dame got it right there. Put it on the board for Bama. Country, post free. The Hitler's got it on the defenseman. Mercy's got a score. It's picked off. Breaks free. They won't catch him. I don't believe. Fires to the end zone. Touchdown! He's going for the corner. He's got it. There goes Davis. Oh, my God. Davis. It's caught. It's caught. It's caught. Oh, is that a good game or what? Hello, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Michael Kirkering, Let's Talk College Football podcast, and I'm pretty excited today because I get to do something I enjoy, which is debunk lies and things told by the mainstream college football media, specifically ESPN and kind of the narrative going around on Paul Feinbaum's show. I understand that specifically when it comes to Feinbaum, he has to cater to SEC. I don't think he's being biased. I mean, his show literally revolves around the SEC. But before we get into that, let's just talk about what we had this weekend. We had three matchups that going into were basically playoff games, at least for one of the teams involved. To me, the biggest game of this last weekend was Utah and Arizona State. You had number 13 Utah versus number 17 Arizona State. This game was in Utah, in the rain, and this was a playoff game. And before we even get into that, it's the reason why I'm not a fan of expanding the playoff because, and why I wasn't even really a fan of expanding it from the BCS to the 14 playoff, but that's over with. And the reason is, is because we get playoff games almost weekly. If you follow my formula, and I'll get into it again later for the 90 millionth time, but of what it actually takes to make the playoff and the way teams are selected, you can really every week talk about how big of a game is. And it's funny how no one was really hyping up this Utah-Arizona State game when to me, as far as national implications go, it was one of the biggest games of the weekend. Because one loss conference champions will get into the playoff 90% of the time. We've talked about what it takes to leave a one-loss Power 5 conference champion out. It either takes undefeated teams or it takes tiebreakers where you have all five Power 5 conferences have one-loss teams, therefore one has to be left out, right? That's what we saw last year when it came to Ohio State getting left out because the three undefeated teams and then Oklahoma had a better resume than them. So if you looked at Utah and Arizona State going into this game, both had one loss. Now, Arizona State's was a worse loss. It was to a mediocre Colorado team, where Utah had lost to a far better, mediocre, slightly average USC team. And these teams, both I had controlling their own destiny last week. Now, Utah won this game. It was a sloppy game in the rain, and that really didn't play into favor for Arizona State because they like to throw the ball, get the ball down the field, and the weather and the wind just really prevented them from doing that. Utah's defense was incredible. 
their running back, Moss, even though he took an injury earlier in the game, he came back in and really put the team on his back. It was unfortunate, though, that Utah's quarterback, Humphrey, is down. We'll see how long he's injured. Some people were saying he might be out for the season, which would be huge for Utah, but if he's able to come back, I think Utah will be okay. But after that game, we now know that Utah controls their own destiny in the South and probably as far as the playoff is concerned as well. And it's very sad to me that some of you are probably sitting there going, what is this guy talking about Arizona State or Utah potentially getting in the playoff? Like, duh-duh-duh, Pac-12. And that's going to be some of the lies that I'm going to be getting into later. Um, but let's get through this week's games first. Another huge game that had playoff implications, division implications, and conference title implications was the Oregon-Washington game. Big rivalry, fun rivalry, Personally, my favorite rivalry on the West Coast in the Pac-12, Oregon and Washington are arch rivals. Sorry, Oregon State fans, but Washington is Oregon's arch rival. Always has been. You're kind of the secondary team, especially lately since you suck so bad. But Oregon and Washington, last year they had a classic. This year, another classic. And this game was back and forth, back and forth. Washington controlled the game early on. They had the lead for like 80% of the game until Oregon finally took the lead and then pulled away. But going into this game, Washington already had two conference losses, okay, to Cal and to Stanford. And Oregon has only lost that opening game to Auburn. So Oregon was fully alive for the playoff going into this game, Pac-12 championship, division championship, all those things fully at play for Oregon, where Washington has kind of lost their playoff hopes, but they have a big outside chance at winning the conference and the division still. And winning this game over Oregon would have actually potentially given Washington control over Oregon because then they would own the head-to-head -head tiebreaker had Oregon and Washington won out after this game. And the reason this game was big is because Oregon now, after the victory, still controls their own destiny as far as the division, as far as the conference, and pretty much as far as the playoff is concerned, where Washington has now lost control of all three of those things. They had already lost their playoff chances with the two losses, right? We have never seen a two-loss team get in, and until that happens, we're just going to rule all two-loss teams out, right? So they had lost their playoff chances. And then in one game, they also lost their conference title hopes, most likely, and any chance at winning the division, right? Because now the only way Washington could sneak back into the division race would be for Oregon to lose three conference games. Well, actually four, because even if they lost three somehow, which would mean they just totally ruined the second half of the season, they would still have the head-to-head -head over Washington. So Washington's basically done. And... What that tells us about Washington and Chris Peterson is, are they finally officially trending backwards compared to what Chris Peterson's built in the past? I mean, remember, in 2016, this Washington team was a playoff team. This team went to the playoff. They won the Pac-12 with just one loss. Fast forward to the next year. They win the Pac-12, I'm pretty sure. In some, no, U Utah, or sorry, USC wins it in 17. But Washington is still a really good 10-3, and three, maybe 10-2 and two team at the end of that year. They go to Fiesta Bowl. Last year, Washington wins the Rose or wins the Pac-12, gets into the Rose Bowl as a 9-3, and three, maybe 10-3 and three regular season team, and they lose to Ohio State. But you're talking about three New Year's Six Bowls in a row. For a program like Washington, that is phenomenal. I'm sure Washington fans, although they know they've left some stuff out there on the table the last couple of years, they've been enjoying themselves. 
It's been a fun Washington team to watch. They've had some explosive offenses, especially in 2016. And then they've been very disciplined on defense, and they're just a well-coached football team. I mean, the Washington secondary last year was phenomenal. And this year, you know, the offense is still good. Jacob Eason's a different type of quarterback. I wouldn't say he's downright better than Browning. I think he does some things better, but I think he does some things worse. But the bigger picture thing here is, now that Washington has three losses this early in the season, you know, there's a good chance they maybe pick up one more. They probably aren't going to a New Year's Six Bowl this year because you got other teams in the Pac-12, like I said, Arizona State and Utah, that both have less losses. Utah's still alive for the playoff, like I said. Arizona State, you know, if they won out with only two losses, they'd probably make a New Year's Six Bowl. So there's a lot going on in the Pac-12, and you just got to think, what's going on with Washington? And if they are trending backwards, would Chris Peterson consider actually taking another job? Because I think he's one of the best coaches in college football. I think right behind Nick Saban as far as active coaches and probably right behind Nick Saban, Urban Meyer, as far as potential coaches out there, I think he's the guy you would go after next. You know, I think he's right there in that pool of the Lincoln Rileys, the Tom Hermans, right? The Jimbo Fishers, maybe even better than those other two guys and, and proven a lot more. He's done a lot more with a lot less at the two programs he's been at, right, in Boise State and Washington. So some really interesting things there to see what happens with Washington going forward. Have the, have we seen them peak? Has Chris Peterson peaked at Washington? Will there be a bounce back? Will he stay? Will he go? A lot of interesting things there. But for Oregon, you're super happy. You completely control your own destiny as far as everything's concerned in my book, and we'll get to that later. The other big playoff-type game going into last weekend was Penn State and Michigan. This game was huge for Michigan because Michigan, yes, they had one one loss and it was a bad loss, a blowout loss to Wisconsin. But as I've said, if you could somehow rally and win the conference with just one loss, especially considering they have that Notre Dame game sitting out there, Michigan would have more than enough wins and a big enough resume to get back in the playoff as a one-loss Big Ten champion. Where Penn State... You don't want to lose this game to Michigan, but if they would have lost somehow, they also would still have had the opportunity to bounce back as a one-loss potential Big Ten champion that gets them in the playoff. Now, that's not how it went. Penn State found a way to win this game. Looked a little sus, a little sus in the game, but I expected this game to be very close just because Michigan was playing for their season and Jim Harbaugh is kind of coaching for his life at least according to the mainstream media. And that's another one of the lies I'm going to get into later. But but if you're being honest with yourself, going into this game, you had to say Michigan was still alive for the playoff. And again, I think it's not always lies that are being told by the mainstream college football media. It's more that they just like to get into this big prediction game, more so than just blankly analyzing and saying what's actually there on paper. So I understand that, you know, you look at that Michigan-Wisconsin game, you look at Harbaugh's track record, and it was very easy to write them off as a contender after the Wisconsin game, right? Especially if you're making predictions. You know, my money wasn't going to be on Michigan going forward after that game, for sure. But you still had to take into consideration that technically, based on what they had in front of them, right? After the Wisconsin game, Michigan still had the opportunity to beat Penn State, beat Notre Dame who's very good, and beat Ohio State, right? And then go play a Big Ten championship game against like a Wisconsin, maybe an outside chance of getting Minnesota in there. 
And those wins would have catapulted them to have a good enough resume to get in because as I've said, one loss, power five champions get in 90% of the time. Obviously that didn't happen. So what we have now is we have a Penn State team that's completely alive for the playoff, Big Ten, division, all that stuff. And you have a Michigan team that unless some really crazy weird things happen, is probably out of the division race, which puts them out of the conference race, and they're definitely out of the playoff race. But what they're still alive for is a potential New Year's Six bull berth. And again, if you're going back to what college football is really about, it's all about getting to a New Year's Six bull game and winning that game, bringing that trophy home, right? Michigan still could make a Cotton Bowl, a Rose Bowl potentially, you know, a Sugar Bowl, an Orange Bowl, all these games that aren't playoff games, right? And that's huge. What Jim Harbaugh needs to do, probably before he brings home a playoff berth or a playoff win or a national championship appearance or win, is win one of these New Year's Six games. Now, he's been close, but he's failed to do it twice. 2016, Michigan almost makes the playoff. They come up just short in what is a controversial call at Ohio State. And then they go to the Orange Bowl, where they play a really good Florida State team, and Florida State's able to knock them off, right? Then you look at last year, Michigan gets all the way to the Peach Bowl, another big-time New Year's Six game, and they're kind of run out of the building by Florida. Of course, Michigan had a lot of big-time defensive players that sat out of that game, but it just wasn't a good look, right? So I think the first step for a lot of these programs in winning a national championship or getting to the playoff is winning one of these New Year's Six Bowls, right? If you go back to Washington, that's probably their biggest pet peeve over this three-year run that they've had is all three times they've made it to these big postseason games, they have lost. They lost the playoff game to Alabama in 2016. They lost to Penn State in the Fiesta Bowl in 2017. And then last year, they lost the Rose Bowl to Ohio State. And for me as a fan, some fans don't care about this stuff, but for me as a fan, a true college football fan, that is just so frustrating, right? When you're, If you can't go win a playoff game, if you can't win a national championship, the next best thing, and it's right behind there, in my opinion, is winning a New Year's Six postseason game. Those are memories that last forever. Those are epic matchups that college football fans love to see, that college football players love to play in, or at least used to love to play in a lot more than they do now. And those are trophies you want to bring home right? If you can't have national title trophies in your case, you want to have Fiesta Bowls, Rose Bowls, Sugar Bowls, Orange Bowls, Cotton Bowls, and Peach Bowls, right? That That's the pinnacle. That's what you go for in college football. So those are the three huge games. The other big game, which only became a big game because we've now had our second giant upset of the year, was the Wisconsin game. And Wisconsin got upset by Illinois of all teams. <laughs> Lovey Smith, Got his first big win in Illinois, and maybe he'll be able to keep his job. Who knows? But as crappy as that game was for Wisconsin, they are still completely alive for the playoff, completely alive for the division, and the conference championship. Now, if you're using the argument of predictions and where you would put your money, yeah, I can see why you'd say, you know what, after that performance, I'm taking Wisconsin off my list of playoff contenders, just like a lot of people did that with Georgia last week, right? But on paper, based on what Wisconsin could still do, they're fully alive. If Wisconsin beats Ohio State, right, beats a Minnesota team, I don't know if they play Penn State in the regular season. I don't think they do. But then re either rematches Ohio State in the Big Ten title or plays a Penn State with one loss or who's undefeated. Just like what I was saying about Michigan, that would give them the resume to get back in the college football playoff because a one-loss conference champ gets in 90% of the time, right? So that's another big lie that I've been hearing is that 
Wisconsin is out of it. They're done. There's no way they get in. Even I've even heard people say that Wisconsin's out of it even if they do do what I just said and rally, which is stupid and we'll get into the lies later. But anyway, that is kind of the big takeaways from this last weekend, at least on a national scale, and what those games meant, okay? So now what I'm going to do is go through an updated who's alive list. Who completely controls their own destiny? I've got 13 teams now. Remember, I had 17 teams last week. I've dropped that down to 13. And who's alive but doesn't necessarily control their own destiny, and then who's kind of freshly out, officially out, right? So let's start with teams that completely control their own destiny as far as the playoffs concerned. Alabama, 7-0, and right? They win out, obviously, in the playoff. They lose a game, but still manage to get into the SEC championship and be a one-loss SEC champion. Still going to the playoff, right? So Bama, complete control. Clemson, 7-0. and they run the table, they're in the playoff. No matter what, people. Let's just settle the Clemson getting left out as an undefeated. Never going to happen in a million years. In a million years, an undefeated Clemson will never get left out. They could win every game on their schedule by one point, and they're making the playoff. Now, where Clemson might differ is I don't know if they can afford to lose a game. I think that even if they lose a game, as long as it's not to probably South Carolina or the ACC championship game, if they are a one-loss ACC champion, they probably still have a 70% chance of getting in. And we'll talk about that later when we get into some of the lie stuff. I've talked about this before in a couple other pods this year. But anyway, long story short, Clemson in complete control. Moving down the list, LSU, 7-0, same exact story as Bama, has complete control. Okay, even if they lose a game, like like let's say they lose to Auburn this weekend. Literally, they don't lose any of their control. It gets a little scarier because now that Alabama game is literally everything, even though it kind of already is. But LSU loses to Auburn and then bounces back to run the table after that. As long as Auburn loses another game, then they get to the SEC championship with one loss. They win. They're in. Okay, moving down. Ohio State, also 7-0. They run the table, obviously in the playoff. They lose a game as long as that game somehow allows them to make it to the conference title still, then they would still be alive in that scenario. So as of right now, undefeated, completely in control. The other team in their division challenging them for that is Penn State. Penn State is also 7-0 and is in the exact same scenario, right? Penn State, if they run the table, go into the playoff. If they lose a game, as long as it's not to Ohio State, right? And then Ohio State runs the table keeping them out. As long as they were able to get back in the Big Ten Championship game, win it, they would be in also with a one-loss team. Moving down the list, here's another team, Oklahoma. Oklahoma's undefeated, and they would be in the playoff if they run the table. Most likely, even if they lose a game now, they'll get a rematch that team, or they'll get another big win in the Big 12 Championship game. They're in complete control of their own destiny, could probably afford to lose one, if we're being honest, right? And then... In the Big 12 also, Baylor, still 7-0. And I know Baylor's one of those teams that you're not putting your money on. You really don't think they can win. But this last weekend, a lot of people thought they were finally going down to Oklahoma State. And that game set up so perfectly for Oklahoma State to get that upset. It was just, it fell right into Oklahoma State's hands, right? The timing was bad for Baylor going there. Oklahoma State had a bye week. And in my picks, I picked Oklahoma State. Baylor won that game, and now Baylor is a lot more legit to me 
than I had considered them. I still don't think they can beat an Oklahoma, but this is college football. Anything can happen, and an undefeated Baylor walks right into the playoff. A one-loss Big 12 champion Baylor. Let's say Baylor did lose to Oklahoma, but because Texas, you know, maybe loses to Baylor or something like that happens, Baylor rematches Oklahoma, wins, they would get in the playoff with one loss, right? Baylor, wow. I know it's crazy to some people, but that's totally out there, okay? Moving down the list, our last undefeated team, Minnesota. They're undefeated, so they're in position to control their own destiny. Their biggest game is going to be against Wisconsin, and if they win the Big Ten as an undefeated team or even a one-loss team, really, really good shot that they get into the playoff, just like everybody else. Okay, that is all the undefeated teams. Now let's move into the one-loss teams, and these are all one-loss teams that, to me, still completely control their own destiny. Let's start with the one team in the SEC West, that is Auburn. Now, everyone's picking Auburn to lose this weekend to LSU, and I understand that, right? Based on predictions, you're thinking, hey, the Auburn offense is not going to be able to score with LSU, but this is college football. The Auburn defense could show up and do something to this LSU offense that no one's ever seen. I think for the most part, this will be the best defense that LSU has played, especially up front on the defensive line. So maybe Joe Burrow finally gets pressure in his face. Maybe he's rattled, right? Maybe he gets sacked a bunch and gets hurt. Anything can happen. If Auburn wins out, they're going to the playoff. And obviously that's asking a ton of Auburn, right? You're asking them to beat LSU, beat Georgia, beat Alabama, win the SEC championship, right? Which either would be Georgia again or a rematch with Florida. So that's asking a ton of Auburn, but obviously if they get that done, they're walking right into the playoff, probably as the one seed, right? Okay, two other SEC one-loss teams that control their own destiny. These teams are both from the East, and this is Florida and Georgia. Both teams had one loss. Georgia's was not that good, but if you look at what Georgia has in front of them compared to what they've already accomplished, just like all these other teams, if they walk into the SEC championship game with that one loss and win, they're going to the playoff. Same with Florida. I don't even need to break that down. They're the exact same scenario. Florida's loss was better. It was on the road at LSU. Georgia also has a big non-conference win that Florida doesn't have, right, with that Notre Dame game. And basically the winner of the Florida-Georgia game is going to win the East, more likely than not, which is awesome. That's what you want in the East. That's the rivalry that you want to determine the East, especially after what happened to Missouri this last weekend. Those are the last two teams that are alive for the East. Right? If you're just talking about division races, as long as Georgia beats Florida, they could even lose to Auburn later, and they're still winning their division because they have the head-to-head over Florida. And that would, you know, so that's how that would go. All right, now let's get into the Pac-12, where there are two one-loss teams that I think control their own destiny as far as the playoff concerned, one more than the other. And that's Oregon, right? Oregon's only loss was to Auburn week one on a neutral field and it was a pretty epic game that they kind of controlled and let slip away from them if they run the table through the season now and win the conference championship especially if they're playing a ranked team in that conference championship that has two or less losses i really think they get in the playoff again it gets dicey right because you have five conferences so Maybe Oregon gets left out if you have an undefeated Clemson, a one-loss SEC, an undefeated or one-loss Big 12 or Big 10. Oregon's the one brand in, in one of the weaker conferences there that might get left out, but it would literally take something like that, and I'll get into that more with the lies. Utah 
has a more likelihood of being left out in that scenario if they run the table just because they don't have any non-conference wins or losses for that matter that are very impressive. And that USC loss, although on the road, is kind of hurting them because USC did that with their third string quarterback and USC is a three loss team now, probably going to be a four loss team when it's all said and done, best case scenario for USC. So that's just not a good loss for Utah. But one loss, Power 5 champions have a very good shot at making the playoff, especially depending on what's shaking out in the rest of the country. So that's what's going on in the Pac-12. Then you move down to the last team that I think still completely controls their own destiny, and this is the last Big Ten team. This is Wisconsin. Yes, they had a terrible loss this weekend to Illinois, but if Wisconsin runs the table, that would give them wins over Ohio State, Minnesota, who's going to be a good win, right? Iowa, who, although would probably be a three-loss team at that point, has proven to be pretty solid, pretty good win. And they would either then play an undefeated Penn State or a rematch with Ohio State. You beat Ohio State twice this year, you're going to the playoff. No questions asked, right? So the one-loss Big Ten champ, if it is Wisconsin, they're probably going to the playoff. Okay, so those are all the teams... I think there's 13, 14 of them there that completely control their own destiny as far as the playoff is concerned. With maybe you could move Utah over to this next list, right? Maybe. But then you have teams that are alive but really don't control their own destiny. They're really relying on things to happen in the rest of the country, right? And and maybe you can move Utah to this list. So let's put Utah maybe in more of a hybrid category. They kind of control their own destiny, most likely, but they kind of might need some help. So maybe they're just on the alive list. I wasn't sure what to do with them. So go ahead and put Utah on this list as well. But in, in addition to Utah, you have Notre Dame. Notre Dame is 5-1. and one. And if we're talking about a team getting into the playoff with one loss who didn't win a conference championship, I think Notre Dame is at the front of that list, right? Everybody thinks it's going to be the loser of the LSU-Alabama game. We'll get into the lies later where people think the loser of that game can get in over conference champions, which isn't going to happen. But I think if you have a one-loss SEC champ that they're in the playoff, if you have an undefeated Clemson, they're in the playoff. Let's say you have a one-loss Big Ten champ, they're in the playoff. But let's say the Pac-12 and Big 12 both give you two-loss champions. And then you're maybe deciding now between a Notre Dame, who's 11-1, or like an Alabama, who's 11-1. I think Notre Dame gets that edge there for two reasons. One reason, because I think, and I'm not saying this is right or wrong, but I think in that situation, the committee would say, yeah, instead of two SEC teams, let's just default to Notre Dame. Unless it was just so much obvious how much better Alabama was. But Alabama doesn't have the schedule this year, guys. They don't have they they haven't played anybody just like Clemson hasn't yet. Now they will play LSU, they will play Auburn, right? So they have some good games coming up. But as of this point, Alabama's schedule has been just as weak as Clemson's, right? Maybe even weaker. So I think Notre Dame gets that edge as the first team that would have an opportunity to make the playoff as an eleven and one team that didn't win a conference championship. That's why they play essentially a playoff game this weekend against Michigan. Michigan and Harbaugh still coaching for their lives, right? Because apparently Harbaugh needs to win this year. He might be gone. And Notre Dame has to beat Michigan if they want to keep that scenario I just described alive. So big, big Notre Dame-Michigan game coming up this weekend. I'm stoked for that. Historically, that's a great rivalry. Some great classic games in the Notre Dame-Michigan saga. I'll be watching some of those this week and talking about them. 
too many to even go through, right? Classic games. 2011, right? End of the game stuff. And then you got all these games from the late 80s, some 90s games, right? Late 90s. I remember 98, 99, and 2000. All great games. You know, the Tom Brady era at Michigan. Notre Dame, Michigan. Great game. Excited for that. Anyway, though, let's move on and talk about the last team that I think is still alive, although I would never predict them to get anything done, and that is Wake Forest. Wake Forest is 6-1. and one. And technically, if they were to run the table, that would give them victory over Clemson, which is extremely unlikely. But let's just say the Wake Forest beats Clemson. And then they win the ACC championship, and they're 12-1. and one. You can't just say because you're Wake Forest right, that you don't deserve it as much as any other 12-1 and Power 5 conference champion, right? Now, because they're Wake Forest and their loss is bad and it's the ACC, like I said, even Clemson might not be able to afford to have a loss this year. And the ACC is going to be the first conference left out if we're deciding between a bunch of one-loss champs, just because they're just not that strong this year. But you got to keep Wake Forest technically alive just based on their record right now and what they have in front of them, right? Just like Baylor, just like Minnesota, right? Baylor and Minnesota are undefeated, but Baylor, Minnesota, and Wake Forest are these teams that like on paper are still alive, but no one's even talking about them because they just don't think the idea of them getting in is even a thing, right? So there's all my teams that are still alive for the playoff. Some are complete control of their own destiny, some are on the fence, and some need some help. But those teams are all alive, and that's awesome. Here we are going into, like, what, week 8 or 9, and you still got 13, 14, like 15 teams, right? So we dropped some down. Last week we had 17 technically, but Michigan loses, Arizona State loses, so they're out. So all the teams that are fresh out of the playoff, Texas, if you're going back to last week, they're now 5-2, and two. Arizona State's now 5-2, and two, and Michigan's now 5-2. and two. All those teams are still sort of alive for their divisions, their conference ch- champions, maybe. But they're out of the playoff hunt because two lost teams don't get in. Okay, and now we can get into the lies. The lies, the lies, the lies that are being told by a lot of big-time college football reporters and publications. Not always on purpose, but they're still lies. And I hate liars. If there is one thing I hate more than the mafia, it is a liar. I wish the mafia would go out and kill all the liars. Bury him in my yard. Yeah, pretty much. That's how I feel about the liars. And let's talk about some of the biggest lies. Now, this one, this first one, isn't necessarily like a lie that people are just straight up saying, but it's this idea being put in people's heads. Again, like you usually hear this more on like Fine Bomb Show, and even preseason people were talking about this. And this is the idea that two SEC teams have a good shot at making the playoff. Now, it's not impossible for this to happen. There are some scenarios where two SEC teams get in, but people are acting like it's a likely one. And that is where the lie comes in. No one is being honest on what it would actually take to get two SEC teams in. Now, preseason, this scenario was all about if Georgia and Alabama met in the SEC title game and they were both undefeated, that somehow that would guarantee both teams get in the playoff regardless of the result of that game, especially if it was close. And I've already talked about why that wasn't really true, and that's the same argument I'm going to use to say why this isn't true. Now, the scenario everyone's talking about now is Alabama and LSU, right? Everyone expects that to be the game of the century again, 
and that the loser of that game also probably won't lose again. And then you're going to have an undefeated Alabama or an undefeated LSU win the SEC and be playoff bound. And now a lot of people are saying, well, if the loser of that game wins out, they have a really, really good shot at making the playoff. And I'm here to say, no, they don't. Do they have a shot at making the playoff? Absolutely. But they in no way, shape, or form control their own destiny. It completely depends on what goes on in the other conferences, right? So what do you need to happen? Let's say you're an Alabama fan. And another thing, sorry, that's throwing shade on this right now is this new Tua injury, right? So now a lot of Alabama friends are saying, look, let's say Tua doesn't play in this game or he does play in this game and he's obviously hurt, right? Is that going to give Alabama some sort of mulligan? First of all, no. If you lose, it doesn't matter why you lose injuries, right? Weather, those things might matter later with certain tiebreaker scenarios. But remember, Alabama is not going to be given this benefit of the doubt tiebreaker against other conference champions that only have one loss or less. The maybe exception is Clemson. So if I am an Alabama fan, I'm definitely rooting for Clemson to lose. This is the one year where maybe, and this still is not a guarantee. If you, if you turn on Feinbaum show or a lot of these other shows, you would think this is just a guarantee they act, right? You've already heard people say, oh, if Clemson would have lost North Carolina, they'd be done. They'd be out of it, which is just so ignorant to say, right? Because a one-loss Power 5 team gets in most of the time. And whenever a one-loss Power 5 champion has been left out, it has never been to a team that didn't win their conference championship outside of an undefeated Notre Dame. Notre Dame, when they went undefeated last year, was the only team that kept out a Power 5 conference champion with one loss, right, as a team that didn't win their own conference champion because Notre Dame doesn't play in a conference, right? Last year, Ohio State was 12-1 and at the end of the regular season, and they got left out of the playoff. Why did they get left out of the playoff? Because you had three undefeated teams, so they were all guaranteed in. Undefeated, you're in. Even Notre Dame, who doesn't play in a conference championship, undefeated teams from Power 5 schools or Notre Dame, they go to the playoff. So then you had one spot left for three potential teams. You had 12-1 conference champion Ohio State, 12-1 conference champion Oklahoma, and then kind of on the outside was Georgia with two losses, right? They lost that epic SEC championship game, but they were two losses, right? I really don't believe Georgia was ever really getting considered. It was really coming down to Oklahoma and Ohio State. And I know you'll say, well, then why did Georgia finish ahead of Ohio State in the rankings? To me, that's just the playoff being cute and trying to to create this scenario alive that they could have maybe done that. But let's say that Oklahoma lost the Big 12 championship game and they were eliminated and it really came down to Ohio State and Georgia last year. I'm 99% sure they would have went with Ohio State. Okay, they just would have. Get over it but we'll never know because that didn't happen. So last year it was Oklahoma, Ohio State. You had two one-loss conference champions and ah, you itched your head. So then you had to break those down and because you got put in that scenario, you had to really compare the two resumes. And when you compared the two resumes, you went with who had the worst loss. It was no question Ohio State. They got blown out by a mediocre, average at best Purdue team. I don't even remember if that Purdue team went bowling. They might have finished 6-6 six and six and made a bowl. I don't know if they won it or not, right? Who cares? But that was nowhere near as good of a loss as Oklahoma, who lost 
on a walk-off field goal to Texas. They're our tribal on a neutral field, a Texas team that then they rematched in the Big 12 championship game, beat pretty handily, right? A Texas team that went on to win the Sugar Bowl, right? A New Year's Six-bound team is who Oklahoma lost to, and it was close. So when it came down to those two resumes, they definitely had to take Oklahoma and their loss and their accomplishments over Ohio State and their loss and their accomplishments, right? So how does that all play into right now? Okay, let's go back to that scenario. Let's say LSU beats Alabama this year, and then LSU runs the table after that and gets in the playoff. And Alabama runs the table after losing to LSU, which would give them a big win over Auburn. You know, maybe Auburn only has two losses at that point, which would then give them their third loss, but that's still going to be a big win. Okay. Maybe if it came down to somehow Clemson with one loss and that Alabama team, I think there's a chance that they maybe give it to Bama over Clemson just because Clemson's schedule is so weak, but I still don't think that's a guarantee. I know a lot of you are like, what do you mean? That is a guarantee. Alabama is guaranteed to get in the playoff as a one-loss team over a Clemson one-loss team, even if that Clemson team won their conference championship, and I don't know if that's true. You know, we'll see. But here's who Alabama definitely isn't getting in the playoff over if they don't win their conference championship. They're not getting in. Obviously, they're not getting in over a Big Ten undefeated team or a Big 12 undefeated team. But you hear people calling into the Fine Bomb show, right? And not, and you'll hear Paul respond to people and callers going like, well, we really need Oklahoma to lose a game. Or, you know, Ohio State needs to lose a game. Penn State needs to lose a game. We need there to be a loss from the champion of the Big Ten or the Big 12. And I'm here to say, no, 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 no. You need two losses, minimum from those programs, right? A one-loss Oklahoma who wins their conference is getting in over an 11-1 Alabama. No questions asked. That would happen. I don't even know why people are not considering this, right? A one-loss Big 12 champion is getting, whoever it is, whether even if it's Baylor, okay? A one-loss Big 12 champion is getting in the playoff over an 11-1 Alabama, or LSU, if it's LSU and Alabama switched in this scenario, right? That would happen. A one-loss Big Ten champion, I don't care if it's Ohio State, Penn State, Wisconsin, or freaking Minnesota, a one-loss Big Ten champion is getting in the playoff over an 11-1 Alabama or LSU that didn't win their conference, period. And this is the one that I think is going to hurt the most, but this is true. A 12-1 Pac-12 champion is going to get the nod over an 11-1 SEC team that didn't win their conference, especially if that team is Oregon. Now, maybe if Utah won the Pac-12 at 12-1, they could really, especially if they, maybe maybe Oregon has two losses now going into that Pac-12 game and whatever. But I think that if Utah and Oregon meet in the Pac-12 championship game, and both of them are twelve or eleven and one going into that game. That game is a playoff game. That game is a playoff game where the winner will go. Right now, maybe if Utah wins that game and they're twelve and one, and you're going twelve and one Utah versus eleven and one Alabama, maybe just like the Clemson scenario. But this is even more unlikely than the Clemson scenario. I think maybe they say, you know what, Alabama. We're going to put you in 11-1, and one, especially if maybe the two injury is a part of that loss, 
for Bama? Maybe, right? That could happen. They might say, you know what? Alabama is 11-1, and but we just think they're better than Utah. I don't think they're going to do that, but there's maybe a chance that wouldn't blow me away. But I really think if you're an Alabama fan or LSU, right? It could be either of these teams not picking on either one. Um, LSU maybe has a better shot if they lose just because they've played better teams, sort of. They've played Florida. They beat Texas on the road, right? They've got some bigger wins than Alabama will have if they're a one-loss team. But I think it's basically the same for both of them. The two things you're rooting for, or the three things you're rooting for, if you're the loser of the LSU-Alabama game, the three things you need to happen are for Clemson to lose— because I think you might end up getting the nod over a one-loss Clemson ACC champion. I don't think it's guaranteed, but I think there's a high likelihood of it. The second thing you really need to happen is for the winner of the Pac-12, or the Big 12 and Big 10, but most likely the the Pac-12, to have two losses, eliminating them from the playoff, right? Because if you look at all the scenarios, the two times where an 11-1 non-conference champion made the playoff. It's happened twice, 2016 Ohio State, 2017 Alabama. And in both of those years, they didn't get in over any one-loss conference champions. In 2016, Ohio State made it in over Penn State, who had head-to-head over them and won their conference, but Penn State had two losses. So they decided to go with Ohio State, who also beat Oklahoma bad in the regular season that year, right? But Ohio State got in because the Big 12 champ had two losses that year, and so did the Big 10 champion, and so did the Pac-12 champion. Or no, sorry, the Pac-12 champion was Washington that year who did make it. But that's why they made it in, okay? Then if you go to 2017, when Alabama got in as a one-loss team that didn't win their conference champion, that was because you had, again... A Pac-12 team champion with two losses and Ohio State, the Big Ten champion, also had two losses. If Wisconsin beats Ohio State in the Big in the Big Ten championship game that year, Alabama doesn't make the playoff. Okay? If the winner of the Pac-12 only had one loss that year, that team would have made the playoff. It, w- it was USC, but they had two losses, right? So That's why Alabama got in in 17. That's why Ohio State got in in 16. And that's why I think that's what Alabama or LSU would need that same thing to happen this year, okay? Penn State losing one game and winning the Big Ten doesn't help you. Ohio State losing one game but then winning the Big Ten doesn't help you. Oklahoma losing one game and then winning the the Big 12 doesn't help you. Oregon running the table from here on out doesn't help you. Neither does Utah. I don't think helps you either, okay? If those teams win out, if those conferences all have one-loss champions, right, outside of the ACC with maybe Clemson, then I think those teams would all get the nod over the loser of the LSU-Bama game, okay? And the other thing that I think Alabama or LSU in that scenario would need to happen is you need Notre Dame to lose again. Because let's say Notre Dame is 11-1, and and you're comparing Notre Dame to Alabama at the end of the season, and you're saying, okay, so let's say... The Pac-12 ends up with two losses, or Clemson loses, or Big Ten, Big 12 has two losses, and it does set up where it looks like a one-loss team that didn't win their conference is going to get in. Well, what do you think they're really going to do if it's Alabama versus Notre Dame? Okay, I think a lot of you are probably sitting there going, oh, it's Alabama, no questions asked. No, it's not. 
because what they really don't do is say, we think this team's just flat out better, right? Vegas is favoring Bama on a neutral field. We're going to take them over Notre Dame. One, you would already have an SEC team in, and I think they try their hardest, whether this is right or wrong, or they're supposed to do this or not, I think they try their hardest to not have two teams from the same conference go to the playoff, especially if that would create a rematch, right? So let's say LSU's in the playoff. They don't want another LSU-Bama game, right? When Alabama made the playoff in 17, so did Georgia, but they hadn't played yet, right? And then they ended up playing in the title, and Alabama won. But if you have 11-1 Notre Dame, a Notre Dame team whose only loss would be on the road to Georgia in a game where they covered the spread, lost by a touchdown, right? But then they go out and they beat teams like USC, even though USC is not great, right? They beat a Michigan, even though Michigan's not great. Michigan could still be a 10-win team that Notre Dame would have a victory over, right? Yeah, Stanford's not that good, but Notre Dame plays a tough enough schedule where comparing it to Alabama, where if Alabama plays the only really good team they play, LSU, at home, and then yeah, maybe gets that Auburn win, I think in that scenario, you'd have to give it to Notre Dame. You just would. So if I'm Alabama or LSU, but I'm explicitly using Alabama because they would have an even worse resume than a one-loss LSU team, right, if you're comparing the two in the exact same scenario... I need Clemson to lose, I need the Pac-12 championship to have two losses, or the Big Ten or Big 12, but most likely that would come from the Pac-12, if we're just seeing how things are shaping up right now, and I also need Notre Dame to lose again. So, I'm a huge Michigan fan this weekend if I'm an Alabama fan, or LSU. I am rooting for every team that plays Clemson, right? Go Wake Forest, go South Carolina, go whoever, and I'm also rooting for the Pac-12 to eat itself. Right? The Big 12 eating itself with help too. I just don't know if that's likely. The Big 10 eating itself also helps, but I don't know how likely that is either. Right, So that's what you would need. And that's why this lie, not really lie, but just this illusion that the loser of that game still has a pretty good shot to make the playoff. No, they don't. There are scenarios where the loser of this LSU-Bama game gets in the playoff, but it is not at all in that team's control. They would not control their destiny in any way. They would need a lot of help. So let's just be clear about that. They would need a lot of help. Now, the second biggest lie that we're being told is that Wisconsin is out of it, right? That this loss to Illinois is just like Ohio State losing to Purdue last year. No, it's not at all. Main reason, Ohio State got spanked by Purdue last year. Like, they got, like, blown out at the end of that game. And Purdue was you know, mediocre. Illinois might be worse than Purdue was, but Illinois won on a field goal. And like I've said, if Wisconsin runs the table after this, they're going to the playoff. Now you might be sitting there, like I said, going that, oh, it's so unlikely after what I've seen from Wisconsin. I don't think they can beat a Penn State. I don't think they can beat Ohio State once, let alone twice. That's true. I honestly believe that same thing. But if Wisconsin was able to run the table after that embarrassing loss, they're going to the playoff. And if it came down to a 12-1 Big Ten champion Wisconsin and an 11-1 Alabama team, guess what? Wisconsin's getting that nod 9 times out of 10 over that Alabama or LSU team, right? That is just the facts, people. So, 
Let's get these lies out of our head. Let's all be honest with ourselves about who's still alive, who still controls their own destiny. Yeah, you might be thinking that this team doesn't have a chance in your mind based on your predictions, but they're still technically alive. That's why I've got like 15 teams that are still out there for the playoff hunt, right? And that's also why I don't think out the loser of the LSU Alabama game, I would not be putting my money on that team to get into the playoff. Now, things could change, right? Utah loses another game. Oregon loses another game, right? You start to see the Big Ten eat itself a little bit. Clemson drops a game. Okay, now the loser of that LSU-Bama game is totally back in play. But until those things happen, they really don't have a good shot at making the playoff. I don't care if it's the greatest game in the history of games. I don't care if it's triple overtime, you walk away from that game going, wow, I just saw the national championship. No, you didn't. You just saw the SEC championship. And not even really that. You just saw the SEC West championship. Okay? Because LS, here's the other thing people aren't considering. Let's say LSU beats Bama, then goes and loses the SEC championship game to a one-loss Georgia or a one-loss Florida. That totally eliminates the loser of that LSU Bama game. So there's just so many things at play that would have to actually cause the loser of that game to get back into the hunt. And I just don't think people, especially SEC people, are being honest about that, okay? This has nothing to do with SEC bias or SEC hate. This is just reality. This is how college football works, okay? So let's just accept that and move on, all right? Talk to you guys next week. Let's enjoy this weekend. Some good games this weekend. Some more implications, right? So like I said, stoked for Michigan and Notre Dame. Super stoked for Wisconsin, Ohio State. Okay. And we've got LSU Auburn. Another big time matchup that is always super fun to watch. Hopefully this game is as good as the 2007 game because that is my favorite LSU Auburn game of all time. For those of you that don't know, that was the Les Miles Mad Hatter, right? doing the fake spike, throws a touchdown, no time left. They don't get it, they lose, right? They get it, they win. They were already in field goal range. Epic, epic game. Hopefully we get something like that this weekend, and I'll see you guys next week. (laughs) 